Well, <clears throat> let's uh, jump in. We're in week three. If you haven't been with us, encourage you to uh, listen to the podcast. Uh, and I apologize, last week we had a technical glitch and we couldn't get one of the messages up. Usually we're really good about making that happen, so our apologies go out for that. But uh, this week we're going to continue to pick up this topic of having swag. And I'm assuming you noticed that I have a new shirt on today? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, this is my swag gift from some anonymous person that uh, knew that we were talking about this, and so I'm sporting the swag shirt today in celebration of swag, all right? There we go. Um, so here's what we're talking about. We're talking about what's real swag look like, what's true swag look like, you know, and I was thinking in my own mind, just trying to think, who, who's the person with the most swag I've ever met in my life? And, and I almost instantly came to one person. It was one of my professors when I was in Bible college, and his name was Harold Carpenter. I want to give a shout-out to Harold Carpenter. Harold Carpenter was an Arkansas kid that if you would meet him at the grocery store, you might have confused him with a homeless person, all right? This is what he, he just, he just simple probably wouldn't have his hair combed. Half the time he didn't, he'd show up teaching the classes, you know, looked like he just woke up out of bed, but probably what he was doing, he'd been in a three-day fast. He just came in long enough to teach the class, then he was going to go back to his fast. That was kind of what he did. But this guy had integrity and swag like nobody else. I mean, here's what he would do. During the summer months, the whole time I was in Bible college, he would take a group of the students to some foreign country, in three months' time, he would start a brand new church every summer. The guy probably, hands down, had been a part of starting more churches than anybody else I knew of at the time in just doing that. And all of this in not showboating or flashiness or anything, just something that was in him. They're like, man, that guy has swag. And it was all because he had God or God had him and where he was in his life. And so Harold Carpenter is my hero. Maybe you have somebody like that as well. So we're talking about having true swag, not the latest fad or the coolest look or just the attitude that says, I have it going on. We're talking about something deeper and bigger than that. So here's what we're doing. We're using characters from the Bible, maybe lesser known characters from the Bible, to uncover, if you will, an idea about what true swag is, is really is. We talked about determination, we talked about courage, and this week we're talking about integrity. And so we're going to look at a life of a person called Mordecai in just a moment. And so we're just kind of looking at some of these characters to maybe learn how we can get our swag on and figure out what that looks like, all right? So there's a key text. In your notes, you should have the key text, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Every series we do, we typically throw out there a key text so you can memorize it, so you can think about it and kind of let it kind of soak and sink into your hearts a little bit. Here's what I do every week with the key text. I take about 15 minutes, maybe a half hour, maybe longer, and just ask myself, God, what are you saying specifically from this text in regard to this series for us? And it's amazing how much you can pull out of such a small piece of text of scripture, all right? Let me give you a back roll of what we talked about. Week one, and here's, here's the text. Let me read it. Therefore I, and it's Paul speaking, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God, all right? And really what we've interpreted that to say is get your swag on, 
Get your swag on. God has this amazing thing for you. Get your swag on. And so the first week we talked about that the foundation of swag happens when I totally surrender my life to God as a servant or a slave of him. Of him. And so that's what he says, as a servant of God, as a slave of God. And then he goes, I beg you. What's he begging? And this was the next thought we had. I'm begging you to make a choice to live up to what God's calling you to. I'm begging you to step up to the plate and be exactly what God created you to be and how he created you to live. I mean, let's go for it. Live a life worthy of the calling. By the way, he's called you to that, all right? And then this week, here's the thought for this week, is that Paul's speaking here, and, I, and it's an interesting thought, that because of Paul's own personal swag, like Harold Carpenter kind of swag, because of his own personal swag, he says, because I have my swag on, I want to impact you to get your swag on. And so what's that mean? It means this. Each and every one of us in this room have an opportunity to allow the swag, the true swag of God, to emanate or flow through our lives to impact somebody else to have swag as well. And so I need to understand that, that somehow my life might be affecting somebody else's life. My swag or lack thereof might be affecting somebody else's life. So Paul says, hey, I beg you, because of what God is doing in me, because of the swag that's on my life, I'm asking you to get the swag on in your life. And so that's what I think is there for us this week. So enough said about our key text. Now, today I want to talk about the swag of integrity. Integrity. Now, integrity is a lost art. I mean, it's probably one of those things that when we talk about this whole series of swag, we're not as closely connected to this idea of integrity as we should be because it's not part of our culture as much as it ought to be, right? I mean, somebody kind of give me a head nod like, yeah, that's pretty true. I mean, we live in a world that this is a lost art, this idea of integrity, and most of us don't even know what integrity is, let alone, let alone know how to live it out, all right? That's, that's the reality of where we're at. And, and for a lot of us, we're in the middle of an integrity crisis. It might be an integrity crisis that's in our own hearts. It might be an integrity crisis that's in our own home, in our, in our family, or in our marriage. Or, or maybe it's an integrity crisis at work. You know, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've got this work environment that just lacks of integrity. You feel uncomfortable about what's going on on a regular basis because they don't have any integrity about what they're doing. And there's a crisis that's happening, and there needs to be an answer. And the answer is, is me, you, us getting our swag on and integrity. And so we, we need to jump all over this. So it's this lost art. Now, integrity has to do with things like being credible. In other words, there's this credibility about who I am that you can, you can bank on that. It's credible. It's, it's sure. It's true. It's honest. It's, it's credible. And so a lot of us, that's, that's the simple idea that my life is going to be credible. Another idea of integrity is being ethical. And I'm not talking about ethical based on the world's idea. I'm talking about ethical based on God's ideas. So the principles of God guide my ethical decisions, and out of that ethical decision comes this idea or this heart or this attitude of integrity, and that's what it, that's what it is. So credible, ethical, and then another time, a lot of times we just put this one big word around it, and it's called character, that you have character, and it's 
character not in like you are a character, you know, like, matter of fact, just look at the person next to him, just say, you are a character. Yeah. And if they smile to say, yeah, I know I am, then they're the exact person we're talking to today, right now. All right? But, but a lot of us, it's not being a character, it's having character. And so that's what integrity is. I have in character, I have character to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. There's something about who I am. And so integrity is not living, and here's a couple of things it's not. It's not living, living a double life or a double standard. In other words, integrity isn't that chameleon kind of person that whoever they're with, that's what they act like. That's not integrity. That's the furthest thing from integrity. Because, again, that's not credible. Probably lacks in ethics, and there's definitely not a lot of character in that. There's something missing there. And so it's not a double standard or a double life. Integrity is not pretending to be something I'm not. A lot of times people, that's, they spend their whole life trying to put on the show, you know, trying to look a certain way or, or to act a certain way that, so that people think that's who they are. But in reality, I'm somebody totally different. That's not integrity. That's pretending. That's being fake and phony. I mean, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. Integrity. Uh, integrity, it's what you are when nobody's watching. That's a big one. You know, nobody's watching. What, what am I like when nobody's watching I, when it comes to being credible, ethical, and having character? If nobody's watching, do I just let go and just do whatever I want to do, however I want to do it? Because that's not integrity. That's something else. And so, so we're trying to understand what all this means. And it's, it's what you are when you're challenged to be God's best in whatever situation and how you respond to that. Because integrity responds the right way, but something other responds the wrong way. And so that's just understanding what's integrity. So let me ask you this question. When do we need integrity the most? When do we need it the most? And I, I just, you know, every week I've been doing this message series. I've started out with that question because I think it's important that we understand that this, is, this stuff we're talking about in the swag series is not some kind of pie-in-the-sky talk-about topic. It's something that we desperately need in our lives in very practical and real ways. And so, so here's, here's the three that I put out there this week. Is that when do we need integrity the most? Is when popularity is more important than godly character. When popularity or approval or, or show is more important than actual godly character. How many of you would agree with me that that's kind of maybe like where we're at right now in our culture, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty close where we're at. And so if that's the case, if that's where we're at, where popularity is more important than godly character, what we need most right now is integrity. We, we need somebody to shine the bright light of what it means to stand true with credibility, ethical uh, ideas and concepts and heart, all those things, character. We need that more than anything else because it works to bring light in the midst of the dark situation. The second thing is this. We need to re, when we need to reestablish trust, when we need to reestablish trust, now just think about it this way. Every time that trust is lost, integrity is gone. Integrity is gone. Every time that trust is lost, integrity is gone. Let me just throw an example. I lied to you about where I was at. 
And now, because my lie, (laughs) the lack of integrity, I don't trust you the next time you try to tell me where you're at, right? And so I need integrity to reestablish that trust that was lost in whatever shape or fashion it might be. And so a lot of times we, don't, we, we need to understand that the value of integrity is really us wanting trust in our lives, but the way we get to trust is we have integrity that it's built on. And so popularity, we need to reestablish trust. And then the last one is when we need to bring into the open dangerous things. So here's the deal. There are things in each one of our lives and in each one of our situations in life that are dangerous to our spiritual journey. There are things that that aren't right, that's in our hearts, that need to be brought out into the open so they can be dealt with, not so that I can be punished or, or experience some difficulty of pain, but so that I can be free from this dark thing that's going on. Integrity is what brings that to an exposure place in my life, all right? So we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. And by the way, people who have integrity have nothing to hide and nothing to fear. It's a great place to live if you've got integrity. Because you're not worrying about whether or not everybody's going to find out about what's not right. You're not, you're not freaking out about that all the time because I have integrity and it casts away the darkness of that thing that's in my heart. Now, so all that to get to our, our topic for today and our, I mean, our character for today, and that is the story of Mordecai. How many of you ever heard of Mordecai? Just, okay, quite a few of us. Mordecai. Mordecai's not necessarily one of the big story names of, of the Bible. He's actually found in the book of Esther. And I encourage you this week, if you get a chance, to read the whole story of Esther, all right? It's set in about 500 B.C., about four. 70 BC, around that time. And it's kind of interesting because you read through it and you find actual historical figures and historical time. It's telling a very real story about God's interaction with a group of people, all right? And it's Esther, book of Esther. And so Mordecai is found in there. Now, let me give you real quickly just a little background, all right? There are four characters in the book of, Mord- uh, book of Esther. There is Mordecai, who is actually Esther's cousin, who was older and adopted him, adopted her. There is King Xerxes, who is the Persian king, and he has absolute authority. He does what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. He tells people to go where, and he he has absolute authority. And then there is Haman, who is the bad guy. He's actually, Mordecai and Haman are like, you know, co-workers at, at the office, but they hate each other. I mean, Haman hates Mordecai, I think more than Mordecai hates him, but I mean, there's this, they're not getting along real well, and then you have Esther, and so that's kind of the characters that you have in the story, so I, again, I encourage you to read all the way through, and so here's what's happened. Mordecai and his family and all the Jewish people are actually under King Xerxes because they have been exiled generations prior to this, this Babylonian area, which is under the control of the Persians. Which, and again, they're pretty bad dudes, but they allow them to have some freedom, and they've incorporated them into the culture of where they're at. And so in the midst, check this out. So in the midst of a crazy world, there is a group of people that are trying to live by integrity, that are trying to live by God's standards and God's ways. And so Mordecai is one of these people. Esther had her parents die when she was young, and so Mordecai, being his, her cousin, adopted her and raised her as his own daughter. 
And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Haman is kind of a, a, a real crooked dude, and he is going to do anything he can to get ahead. He's going to step on anybody. He's going to push anybody down. He's going to do whatever it takes to get into the position he wants to get into, and he's just a bad dude, all right? So all these things are going on, and so this is the story of Mordecai, and I'm going to walk through almost the whole, the whole story today. So let's talk, and, and so in the middle of this, sorry, Mordecai gives us several glimpses into how we can get our true swag of integrity on. That's what he gives us. So we can look at Mordecai and go, oh, that's integrity, because that's what he had. That's what he's known for. All right, so the first one, the true swag of integrity is to be genuinely concerned about the well-being of others, to be genuinely concerned about the well-being of others. Here's, here's the text. It says in Esther uh, chapter 2, when her father, Esther's, her father and mother died, and we don't know how they died, we don't know what happened, but somehow they died, all right? Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as a dog. Oh, just check and just see if you guys are following. <laughs> raised her as his own daughter. So he adopted her into his family, didn't necessarily have to, but he sensed the responsibility to be genuinely concerned for the well-being of this little girl named Esther, and so he brought her into his own family. Then it goes on, it says in verse 10, Esther had not told anyone of her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. Let me just back up because I missed one important part. Esther was this beautiful, beautiful young girl. And King Xerxes had this situation going on where his queen, and sort of the V of Vershadi or something like that, you can read exactly what that is. She, she didn't listen to the king real well. She was kind of disobedient to the king, but yet he, she was the queen. And so the king says, you know what, I'm going to find a different wife. And he could do that. And so he actually went across the whole country and pulled in all the beautiful girls or whoever they would be to go through kind of like a pageant, if you will, to see who's going to be the next queen. Esther was one of those girls in the pageant who eventually becomes the queen because she was so special about who she was. She was beautiful. There was just something about her. And we'll see later, there was really something about her being in that place at that time. And so now Esther, she was in that situation Verse 10 and 11, Esther had not told anyone her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. He, he was trying to keep her safe. He was trying to keep her in a position where she could always be successful. And the reason why he was doing that was the integrity of his heart was genuinely concerned about the well-being of, of, of her being Esther and everybody else. That's where he was at. And so every day, verse 11 Mordecai would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. So the picture you get is Mordecai is walking around, and he's going to slowly gets by the wall where he knows all the girls are that are in the pageant for the queen, and he kind of slows down just to see how she's doing. And the reason why he does that is not because he's some peeping Tom kind of guy. It's because he has this integrity about him that says, God, I want to see her do well. And so here's the point. Integrity always starts with a genuine concern for God's best in the other person. I can't get integrity until I understand that, person, that, that value. 
I can't be a person of integrity until I look into your life and say, I want to see God's best in your life. And I'm genuinely concerned about who you are and where you are going and how your life ends up. I want to see you make it. And so that's integrity. That's where it starts. It's genuine concern. But too often what happens is we don't have the true swag of integrity because we make it all about ourselves. And instead of being motivated by the deep, uh, the, the genuine concern for the other person, the well-being of the other person, the only concern that I have is me. And, and so there's this me motivation, and the me motivation keeps knocking off, if you will, the true integrity of what God wants to do in this situation, whether it be in your home, whether it be at work, whether, no, it doesn't matter where it's at, that's what's happening so many times, is we become the motivation instead of them. And so integrity always starts with being genuinely concerned about the other person. So here's the, here's, here's the point. Integrity understands that this moment, right now, this situation, the deal that you're in the middle of, understands, integrity understands, it might not be about me. This thing I'm going through might not be about me. This, this hard, difficult moment that I'm in, or this family situation that I'm in, or this job situation, and all of a sudden, if I have integrity, I go, you know what? It might not be about me. It might actually be something much bigger, and it might be a moment about you. And all of a sudden, the focus shifts because integrity is genuinely concerned about the well-being of others. That's where it starts. And so that's where Mordecai was. That's where he began. So number one was being genuinely concerned about the well-being. Number two is true swag of integrity is to be willing to expose a wrong. Willing to expose a wrong. And I'm not talking about being a tattletale or, you know, something, you know, just a whistleblower. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about realizing that there's something wrong with this situation. It's because I care about your well-being and I care about where you're ending up in life that I'm willing to stand up and say, no. I'm willing to stand up and say, wait a minute, time out. I'm willing to get involved. I'm willing to make a difference in this situation. So here's the story. It says, one day, chapter 2 in Esther, one day as Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate, and by the way, that's a really important because he had a responsibility to guard the safety of the king. Two of the king's eunuchs, and by the way, if you're looking for a name for that next child, here's an option. Big Thana. I don't know, you know, it might work for you, I don't know. You know, so, so two of the king's eunuchs, Big Thana and Teresh, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters, so they were even closer to the king became angry at King Xerxes and plotted to assassinate him. These guys had evil intentions. But Mordecai somehow heard about the plot. I don't you know, maybe they were walking by one day and he was just minding his own business and he, he heard the conversation. He knew that these guys were up to no good and they intended harm upon the king, King Xerxes. He knew about it. And so this is what he did because of integrity. But Mordecai heard about the plot and gave the information to Queen Esther because he knew she had voice with the king. She then told the king about it and gave Mordecai credit for the report. It was a good thing. 
And when an investigation was made and Mordecai's story was found to be true, the two men were impaled on a sharpened pole. It didn't go real well for Big Thana. It didn't go real well. And the reason why is because there was integrity in the midst of the story that says, you know what, wait a minute. Somebody is about to get hurt here. Something is, is really wrong with this situation. This isn't right. And, and it's based on his perspective of value and God and all these different things. And, and he said, I, I can't sit back. And see, too often what we do is we don't get involved because we have attitudes that need to be removed. See, a lot of us, there's things like this happening all the time where there's wrongs happening, where things shouldn't be the way they are, and we just kind of take the low road and walk by, and don't get involved, don't, get in, you know, don't do that. And a lot of times it's because we have an attitude in our heart that needs to be removed. Here's what Mordecai could have done. Mordecai could have went, none of my business. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I, I, I get off at five. I'm out of here. You know, I mean, he, he could, it's not part of my job description. Or, or maybe he could have had that, you know, I never liked King Xerxes anyway. Good riddance. You know, in other words, he was almost as bad as them. Only thing is, is he wasn't acting out on it. They were going to act out on it. See, integrity won't be a part of that. Or, or maybe it was a little bit more personal. Maybe he could have went this way. He could have said something in his heart that needed to be removed that went, went like this. He took from me my adopted daughter, Esther. So I'm going to let him suffer like I've suffered. I'm going to let something bad happen to him because, man, it's tore my heart apart to watch her having to be ripped out of our home and put in this situation that she's part of. I'm not putting up with this. I'm just going to let it go. And see, integrity won't let that happen. Why? Because I am genuinely concerned about the well-being of others, and I'm willing, I'm available, ready to expose a wrong. And so that's what Mordecai did. And so the true swag of integrity is willing to jump in. It's willing to make it happen. Now, it might be surprising. Years ago, I used to be able to play a little basketball. You know, I mean, I shot a little bit. You know, I got, got a little, you know, swish. Some of you like waiting for it. Man, this is a long way. It's a half-court shot right there. You know? But, I mean, I used to play a lot of street ball and pickup games and stuff like that. And, you know, you'd go in, and a lot of my basketball was up actually in North Omaha because that's where I learned how to play ball. I'd go out and hang out with all the kids in, in the hood and just have a good time. And, and it would get pretty chippy. I mean, sometimes it'd get more than chippy. I mean, it'd be like fist fights, and, you know, it'd be on, you know. And I realized that you could avoid some of the chippiness on the basketball court if you would do one simple thing. You know what you'd do? Just call your own fouls. You had to call your own fouls. You know, if you fouled somebody, hey, foul, you know, I mean, the guy, you, you'd get fouled, you'd call it, and, the, you know, a lot of times guys get carried away with that. You know, you kind of brush by them, foul, 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 you know, and like, okay, okay, you know. You know, next time, you know, the guy comes down, you give him a hard elbow, like, now call foul there, chump, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but there was another side of calling the fouls that went something like this. You would hack somebody, and you knew you did it, and you go, foul, and you call it on yourself. You call foul on yourself. And see, there's two sides of this thing of being willing to expose the wrong. One of them is, that's a foul out there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up and I'm going to make a difference. Because it, when I do that, I avoid the chaos that would easily come around if I just let it go. 
But a lot of times what I need to do is I need to call my own foul in here. And I need to realize that there's things that maybe I've done that are wrong that I'm going to bring out into the open and I'm going to expose them and I'm going to say, okay, here it is. That's not necessarily part of this story, but it's very real in our story. Because integrity is willing to expose the wrong, whether it's out there or in here. And so I've got to be willing to do that. It takes the initiative to relieve the pressure, whether it be the pressure of my own heart or the pressure in the situation that we're part of. And integrity will never conceal a wrong or promote destruction passively or actively or wait for somebody else to make the move. Let me ask you a question. What does God want to bring into open in your life? What is it that's keeping you from integrity today that I have a feeling that the Holy Spirit's probably right now just going, hey, uh, can we deal with that? Uh, Hey, And he's knocking on our hearts. He's, as our text describes, he's calling us to something. Worthy of the calling. He's calling us to true swag. But we have to be willing to expose the wrong in our own hearts or in the situation that we're part of. If we don't do that, integrity can't have its way. And so that's what was going on here. Next one. Next one. True swag of integrity is to refuse to compromise my commitment to God. You know, compromise has to do with this idea that I'm going to go halfway. Compromise has to do with this, I'm going to settle for less. Compromise has to do with things like mediocre. You know, compromise has to do with kind of. I'm going to kind of put myself out there. But see, integrity has this heart about it that says, I am not going to compromise, and especially I'm not going to compromise when it comes to my commitment to God. I'm not going to give way an inch because I know that giving that inch away is like saying no to God and rejecting God. I'm not going to be a part of that. I can't be a part of that. That's what integrity does. So check out this. uh, Esther chapter 3. Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman. And the reason why he promoted him, he, he was a scoundrel. He was twisting and twe- you know, making things happen behind the scenes. Guy was bad news. And so sometimes later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamamadadada, the Agite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. So now the guy that was the bad news guy, he's in more control and power than ever before. It goes on. Um, uh, I lost my place here. All the kings, uh, more powerful official in the empire, all the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded, but, here's the but, but Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Not out of, not out of attitude, I don't have to, I don't like you, that kind of thing, but out of a heart that says I can't compromise or go against my conscience before my God. Because for me to bow down before you is to not bow down before God, and I can't do that. For me to surrender to this situation the way you want me to surrender to it, it's going to go against everything that's in my heart that says this is what God wants me to do. I can't be a part of that. So it goes on. Then the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai. and everybody's It's all getting all stirred up now. Why are you disobeying the king's command? 
I mean, come on. Don't you see what you're, you're going to get in trouble for this. This is going to get ugly. This isn't bad. And see, integrity doesn't care about what's going to happen. It cares about whether or not I'm staying committed. And so he goes on. They spoke to him day after day, but still he refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this. Then it's kind of like, well, what are you going to do? Mordecai said he's not going to do anything about it. He just can't go against his conscience. He can't go against his commitment to God. He can't compromise. So what are you going to do, Haman? It's kind of like they were stirring it up. And so they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. And see, that was actually the reason why he wouldn't compromise. Because to him, his life was worship to God. And so everything that he was doing in life was to be an extension of his worship before the creator God. And he couldn't go against that. He just, I can't do that. I can't compromise there. My integrity before God won't allow that to happen. So then, verse 5. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. And so what happened... This is what happened. Haman went on this conspiracy-driven revenge. And he, go, he went to the king and he said, Man, those Jewish people, they're bad news. And Mordecai is the leader of bad news. And I want to make sure that they all bow down. Because when they don't bow down to you, me, they're not bowing down to you. And so, man, let's just take them all out. And the king agreed to take them all out. Let's just eliminate them. And so they were setting up a day to eliminate him. And Mordecai had heard about this. He heard of what the king was going to do and what Haman had done. And then we get to the next one. And here's what happens. The true swag of integrity is to be deeply moved when injustice happens. When injustice happens. Again, because Haman devised this plan. And here's what it says. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. When Mordecai learned about what had been done, the conspiracy. He tore his clothes. He put on burlap and ashes, which was the signature of mourning or crying out before God for something to be different. And went out into the city crying aloud and, 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 and with a loud crying with a loud and bitter wail. And he went all over the whole city doing the same thing. And everybody heard him because he was so moved by the injustice of what was going on. Like, well, what's that got to do with integrity? All right, so here's what happens. Too often we see something that's wrong, and instead of being moved to do something about it, we just say something like this. That's too bad. Bummer. Whew, sucks to be them. And we just go through this disconnected process, and we disconnect ourselves because integrity it connects itself to the pain, whereas the other disconnects it. And we need desperately this integrity. That's God's expression for where we're at in this time. So then, but the true swag of integrity feels it personally. It's not something over there. It's something that's ripping me a heart in my heart right now here. And I can't get away from it. So here's a question for you. What do you do when injustice happens around you? What do you do when you see a wrong? What do you do when somebody's treated unfairly? What do you do when somebody is abused and you're right in the close proximity of that? What do you do? Because see, here's what happens. Integrity 
is so torn apart by it, it can't help but move in. It can't help but step in because it's deeply moved. It cuts to the heart when injustice happens. Because why? Going back to the very first point, those that have integrity are deeply, genuinely concerned about the well-being of the other person. And if you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're tore up, I'm tore up. If you're in a bad place, I'm in a bad place. And I can't get away from that because that's what integrity does. And see, some of us, we're just going, that's too bad. Bummer. And see, God's saying, wait a minute, I want you to get your swag on. And your swag doesn't do that. Your swag gets involved and gets in the middle of that. So, next one. True swag of integrity is to challenge others to fulfill their destiny. Challenge others to fulfill their destiny. Their God-given destiny. Check this out. Because Mordecai knew that he had to ask Sumter, he had to ask Esther to, Esther to do something about the situation. So Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. And by the way, she didn't want to get involved. She just wanted to keep being the queen because she liked the perfume and she liked the jewelry. She liked all this stuff. She didn't want to get involved. And Mordecai, what, in integrity, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't do that. Matter of fact, what I'm going to do, because of the integrity and the stirring of God upon my heart, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to pull something out of you that is greatness. I'm going to pull something out of you that's going to change lives. I'm going to pull something out of you that's going to make a difference in this kingdom, in this generation, in this people. I'm going to pull it out of you because integrity challenges people to live out their divine purpose. I have to do that because that's what integrity does. And so he's challenged her to fulfillment. It goes on, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you, in other words, what he said, hey, if you don't do it, God's still going to do it. But for you, it's going to be costly. And your relatives will die. And I love this last verse. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Now let me just say this about the practicality of integrity. When I have integrity and I challenge you and I challenge you and I challenge you and I challenge people around me to live this divine purpose that they have. All of a sudden I'm stepping into this God thing that's crazy big and it has powerful implications upon the reality of where we live and how we live. Going back to the things when we need it most. Trust, popularity, bringing into the open the dangerous things. Last thing is the worship team comes. The true swag of integrity is to anticipate getting noticed by the king. I'm not doing it because I want to get, I'm going to get a reward. I'm doing it because I know that God's going to see me. He will reward me. Two different things. See, integrity understands that someday, in some way, the king is going to see my heart. See, somehow, some, some of us right now, we need to understand that God and his bigness is watching every one of our lives. God and his bigness is looking into our lives and he's looking for integrity. He's looking for determination. He's looking for courage. He's looking for those things that says, yes, 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 because God wants to give you honor 
in your situation. Integrity anticipates getting noticed by the king. I will be in a position for promotion. My integrity will somehow lead to great authority. And here's how the story goes. It says in verse six, chapter 6, what reward of recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? And he's talking about when he saved my life from Big Thana. He said, whatever did we do for Mordecai? And they said, we didn't do anything for him. He said, you know what we need to do is we need to do something special for him. So about that time, here comes Haman. You know what Haman's coming to do? Haman's coming to get Mordecai's head. But instead, the king says, hey, what should we do for a guy that honors me? Haman thinks it's about him. Remember? <laughs> Always thinking about me. <laughs> and Haman says, you know what we should do? We should give him a robe. We should put him on a horse. We should have a big celebration. We should have everybody chant out loud, look what the king does for those that honor him. And the king goes, that's a great idea. Go get Mordecai and let you do it. What? I thought it was about me. No, it wasn't about you. It was about the one that honored the king, and the king recognized the honor. And sure enough, they lifted him up. And by the way, Haman was the one that ended up getting killed. Haman was the one that ended up dying, and Mordecai ended up becoming the prime minister, the second in command. And here's the point. The point is this. Integrity before God will lead to greater authority with God. I don't know about you, but I want that. That's what I want. Integrity before God will lead to greater authority for God and with God. Let's pray. Lord, have your way today. Have your way today. Lord, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, may we need to respond today and say, God, give me integrity because I haven't had it. May you flow through my life in ways that I haven't experienced yet and I've been doing something else. And Lord, right now I need to confess that and I need you to move in my heart and have your way through me today. I need to make a fresh surrender, a fresh decision for integrity. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me as your heads are bowed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, every hand that's bowed, every hand that's raised, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would start something new and powerful in their hearts, in our hearts, that says, God, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.